This is an AMI podcast. You're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast with Chef Mary Mamalidi. And every sport, every individual um, has probably experienced flow at some point in time. And it's you are in almost like a bubble and you are unaware of any outside surroundings other than the task that you're focused on. So you get to that line and you're so honed in, you and your pilot, it's just like you're about to go to battle together and you just kind of focus in on what you're about to do. You have to get... You just described me against a Sarah Lee cake. There we go. It's like, who's <laughs> going to win this battle? Nothing around me. I don't, I don't hear anyone saying stop eating it. I just grab a fork and I go for it. Well, you should hear my voice <laughs> telling you not to go in for oh, it. I forgot who I was talking to. <laughs> That's Alicia Beckford-Stewart. She's a strong, positive, and highly motivated training machine. She's a member of the Canadian bobsled team, certified trainer, strength and conditioning coach, and my personal trainer. Hey, Alicia. Hi, Mary. Thank you so much for being here. Thank and you every for time, having me. Well, every time we talk, and then don't I say it, but it's always like I'm saying your name in Italian. It's Alicia. True. <laughs> it's true. It has a nice ring to it when you say yes, it. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's just so sweet. She doesn't even correct me. Before we dive in and start getting things started here, tell our listeners a bit about you, Alicia. Who am I? Um, Who's Alicia? Cancer. My birthday is July. No. <laughs> um, so I am an athlete. I'm a strength and conditioning coach. Um, you know, right now, I'm kind of transitioning to, um, you know, another stage in my life. I'm going to be getting my doctorate in chiropractic. But I've been an athlete since I was three years old. You know, the, the goal and the ultimate dream has always been the Olympics. So about um, four years ago, I got into bobsledding. Unfortunately, you know, didn't make the Olympic team, but had a great season. And then maybe in 2022, you know, the Olympic bug is still there. Then I'll try for another shot. But for right now, just looking on the adulting side of things. You can find me there with my Alicia sign. There we go. It's funny because I find bobsledding so fascinating. Everything about it, just it, I just I find it mind-boggling. Just even the size of it, the speed. You mentioned a little bit about it, but how did you get into bobsledding? So um, at the University of Illinois, one of my teammates, she was a shot putter, so we used to train together. I did the heptathlon, so I would train with the sprinters, I'd train with the jumpers, I'd train with the throwers. And when we both graduated, we both continued running track, but not having that same infrastructure around us. So not having our coach, not having a strength coach, not having, you know, nutritionist, all those things in one place. We found it very difficult uh, figuring out kind of that professional realm of, you know, not being a collegiate setting. And she was always told, oh, you should check out bobsled. And she was kind of like, mm, not really sure. Well, she did. Um, a year and a half later, she made the 2014 Olympic Games and she got a bronze medal. And then we got to talking again. It was kind of like, you should look at the Canadian team. They're pretty good. And well, at the time, Canada was number one in the world. So I would agree. They yeah. were pretty good. So yeah. I decided to kind of look into it. Um, I had some coaching issues with um, continuing track and field. So it was kind of like, maybe this is a good time to continue my athletic pursuits in another avenue. So I looked at the Canadian team. I looked at the process of getting on the team. And it was very much like a, a football combine. So you go. They see whether or not your strengths in running, jumping, throwing, um, as well as lifting would suit the sport. Because it's all about speed and power, moving a very heavy object from a stationary position very quickly, jump in, hold on, pull the brakes. So I was like, I could do that, I think. I'm not sure. <laughs> so anyways, I looked into that process. I trained for it a little bit. 
made the Ontario team, went down to Lake Placid, New York, got to actually go into a bobsled, try it out, see whether or not it was too scary for me to handle. Was it at first? It was just that borderline of being just scary enough that I was like interested to try it again, but also what did I just do? I'm not sure what just happened in that last minute of my life, but the pursuit of goals outweighed the scary aspect of it 100%. Like, oh, you know, being able to travel the world, being able to be a part of something that's bigger than myself. Mm -hmm. All those things were way, you know, more important than a scary, you know, minute of my life. There were too many what ifs. There was too many exciting what ifs. Yeah, exactly. But I was like, I want to pursue those what ifs. Yeah. You know, I love my games. <laughs> this or that. The choice is yours. You can go with this or you can go with that. So, eggs, fried or scrambled? Scrambled. Morning or evening? Morning. Pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. Salty or sweet? Salty. Dine in or delivery? So do you prefer to cook at home or delivery? Oh, dine in. Yeah, we're the same with that. <laughs> yeah. Netflix or cable? Netflix. Do you wash your meat before cooking or cook right from the package? 100% <laughs> wash my meat before cooking. I love asking this question. Do you do the lemon thing too? I do. If I don't have lemon, at minimum, I have to rinse off the meat. Okay, so what we're talking about is you get your meat, take it out of the package, you rinse it off. Now, I'm sure you may have heard of this going around lately, but this has been a long discussion of mine with so many people, is if you wash your meat. And a lot of people do the misconception is when we say wash, we are not saying with soap. We're saying rinsing off the meat and potentially using some vinegar, lemon or lime that is what we consider now, is the washing. vinegar lemon or lime to disinfect or is it to add flavoring i guess you can say a little bit of both but it's I would mostly say that. it is mostly just to you don't know the handling of the meat from the butchering to the packaging mm-hmm. so you are just taking off that top layer of whatever it is i don't even know if it's about bacteria i think it is definitely it's a just cultural where it's been. anything that you do in the kitchen or cleaning is what you've been taught. So for me, um, rinsing my rice before I make it. But that's, that's a definite. Yes. Some people don't do that. Really? Oh, they need to rinse. Some people don't wash their fruit before they eat it. Some people don't wash their fruit before they cut into it. Yeah, no, 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 please (laughs) wash your fruit. Um, and rinse your meat. Definitely. And not with soap and water. Otherwise, I'm not coming over for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've we've talked about this a little bit. I mean, you would have to love doing this in order to get yourself into that bobsled and go at those speeds. Like, How heavy is the bobsled? So um, for women, the minimum weight for a sled is 165 kilos. And then sled and crew uh, can be no more than 325 kilos. Wow. And your position. So I'm a brakeman. So the person at the back. So... For the only bobsled reference that everyone has is Cool Runnings, I would be Sanka. (laughs) So the fastest track in the world is actually in Whistler, British Columbia. And uh, you go, the the fastest speed recorded in a four-man bobsled is actually 156 kilometers an hour. Um, So on average, um, women 
in a two-man sled because we only have the two-person or two-man event. But yeah, so women on average were going about 145 to 153 kilometers an hour in a two-man sled. And that's also, you know, based on the physics of it, something that's heavier is going to go faster. So that's why there's a maximum capacity weight with the sled and crew. Otherwise, people would just be, you know, waiting the sled at the front and, mm. and things like that. So you want to make sure that there's a balance between the crew being a certain size and uh, being able to push a lighter sled, but the sled can only be as light as 165 kilos. So even though we say light, mm-hmm. there's nothing light about it. Right, which means that you would have to keep your body composition to a certain weight. Exactly. Okay, so we just, I'm going to tell you guys, something. we just <laughs> finished tra- my training session. I'm drenched in sweat. I look a mess. <laughs> But you I look feel wonderful. Fan- You're glowing. But You're I glowing. feel fantastic. Um, she whipped my butt. What kind of training uh, do you go through when you're in the actual uh, season of bobsledding? Yeah, so um, for off-season off training or even in-season training, um, as a bobsledder, you train like you were a sprinter and also like a weightlifter. So it's a matter of lifting heavy things continuously and also sprinting, uh, doing hill workouts, doing resistance training, with uh, sled pulls, um, also doing overspeed because uh, some starts will be a bit more downhill than they are flat. So you wanna make sure that your turnover um, is very, very quick, but also while you are always applying pressure to the sled. Um, a lot of reasons why they recruit from track and field is they, you know, you would assume someone that is very, very fast on land mm-hmm. will be fast on ice. The thing is, you can be fast on ice, but are you fast on ice pushing almost a 300-pound object? So having that ability to be fast and also explosive, but also generating power constantly um, behind the sled. You only have 50 meters. Seems like a lot if you don't run. Um, but if you do run... <laughs> I'm exhausted 50 hearing you say this. <laughs> 50 meters can be a very uh, you know long distance when you are obviously under continuous load and pressure. So um, a lot of sprints, um, a lot of uh, Olympic lifting, so deadlifts, squats, bench press, overhead presses, things like that. Um, Tire flipping, sometimes if you don't have an actual uh, sled uh, Mm -hmm. available to you, Calgary is home base where there's an ice house, so it's a simulation of um, a bobsled start track. Uh, It's only located in Calgary and and, you know, if you're not located in Calgary, you have to kind of make do. So a lot of times in the off season, we just push cars. No. Yeah. You know. Oh, I need to <laughs> see that. Um, that would be fun to see. And it's probably the only car I would ever drive because I can't drive. Uh, <laughs> have me in the driver's seat and Alicia pushing me in the back. There we go. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to arrange that. Do you have any advice for any, you know, aspiring athletes? someone who's thinking of getting into bobsledding, because I think it's something that women should really kind of look into. Mm-hmm. It's a sport that needs us. Yeah. That um, needs women. Bobsled is different because, so for me, like I said, I was a track and field athlete for um, a, a large portion of my life and, you know, still consider myself an athlete mm-hmm. in general, even if um, I'm not pursuing sports on uh, an Olympic level or a professional level, but um, to me, once Bob's, an athlete, always an athlete. For sure. You as well. Taekwondo and kickboxing background. Still an athlete. <laughs> See it every time we train. 
Yeah, see, my, my listeners didn't know that, but yeah, yeah, I did uh, karate and kickboxing. <laughs> That's why boxing days are so fun. Um, but bobsled is a second career uh, kind of sport. So majority of individuals that enter into bobsled have started at a later age because there needs to be that development in whatever sport or avenue that you're doing. And it's usually honing those skills into the sport itself. So for myself, I started bobsledding at age 27. A lot of people think, oh, you're starting a sport at 27 years old. It's like, yeah, you know, you, you take all of your athletic prowess from whatever you did before and you're able to harness it into another career, whether or not you've had injuries in those careers before. Injury should never be the reason that someone stops something. It should be because they choose to, mm-hmm. that they've made the choice and just, you know, said that they're ready to move on. Um, Bobsled, it is a, it's a fun environment. It is a fun sport. You meet individuals from all over the world and you get to travel and represent your country. And, you know, one thing that's just a major part for me, being a part of something that's bigger than yourself. It is um, a team sport. It is never selfish. There's so many things that happen behind the scenes that the women's team are helping the men's team, the men's team helping the women's team. You have individuals that, um, so great story. Last year, uh, in the season, three of the women, their sled did not come in time for them to start training. Mm-hmm. And there were teams that had extra sleds with them because that was their home base. Lent them a sled, lent them gear, spikes, helmets. It's just such a great community. Um, and I think if anyone ever was just interested in trying it out, if they, you know, thought that, you know, their career in soccer is over or their mm-hmm. career, but they think, oh, I'm still fast, I'm still strong, I give it a try. You know, mm-hmm. come out to a combine, you know, if they're ever in Lake Placid or in Calgary or, or in um, Whistler, go out, see the track. You know, you can go for an actual ride with um, a pilot, see whether or not you like it. But in general, even if it's not bobsled, it's never too late to start something. It's never too late to pursue any kind of endeavor like that. Because at the end of the day, it's one body that we have. We might as well use it and enjoy whatever that we're doing. And we have one life. So, like, live it to the fullest. I'm Mary Mammoliti, and you're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast. Today, I'm talking with bobsledder and personal trainer, Alicia Beckford-Stewart. For someone who's trying to maintain that healthy lifestyle or even start, you know, and, and lead that, go into that direction and just make minor changes, what would you suggest that they could start with? in terms of either exercise or food or something, small changes? I'd say the first thing for sure is smaller changes and focusing on marginal gains. So it can't always be looking at the end result. So think of your fitness journey or really your whole journey is it's like a staircase. You don't have Mm -hmm. to see the top of the staircase or what's at the very end. You got to take the first step. So even if the first step is just walking a little bit more, um, if you drive to work every day, park further walk, you know, the whole length of the parking lot. If you're on, even if it's the the 20th floor, at least make an effort, maybe walk up five flights of stairs and then take the elevator the rest of the way. Like just little things like that, that just get you moving a little bit more than you're already moving and find movement that you enjoy. Mm -hmm. Um, Not everyone likes to lift weights. Not everyone likes to run. Not everyone likes the elliptical or boxing or cycling. Just because it worked for someone else doesn't mean it's going to work for you, but find movement that you enjoy. Um, 
if you typically walk your dog, maybe, you know, find a trail that has some hills. So you already enjoy walking your dog, but your body gets very used to doing the same path every mm-hmm. single day. Mm-hmm. So maybe find a path that's going to have some stairs or has some type of incline or decline or something like that to switch it up in terms of nutrition. You know, first things first, it's usually um, going to be the smaller changes that are going to be more consistent as a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. When you make too many changes, one, you won't know what thing was working for you. But also, if you fail one day, you feel like you can't get back on the wagon, which is not mm-hmm. true. One one day, one meal won't make you fat. One healthy meal won't make you skinny. One One good workout won't make you strong. Mm-hmm. It has to be that consistency. So you want to think of intensity and intent when you're doing something for your health and you want that consistency over time to actually yield the best results so even if it's as simple as drinking a bit more water every day mm-hmm. once you've consistently done that you're like oh i can do this and it's setting those smaller goals and accomplishing them and realizing that it is a marathon it is not going to be a sprint you didn't gain the weight overnight right. you didn't lose the strength or gain the strength that you're trying to get. It's not going to happen overnight, but it's that that long haul. You want to look at it as the long haul. How many times a week should someone trying to lead a healthier lifestyle work out? Um, I mean, it is really um, personalized. I would definitely say it depends on your goals. But on average, if you're getting in at least 30 minutes of movement every single day, that will gear you to a path of of health. Um, health is such a relative term. It could mean a lot of different things mm-hmm. to different people. If you were to say to a, a vegetarian, oh, you know, I'm eating meat, they'd say that's not healthy. So the word health is is very relative, but about 30 minutes a day of movement that's outside of your norm. So someone might say, oh, well, I walked the dog today, but you walk the dog every day. So that no longer becomes exercise because it is part of your general daily routine. You have to do some at least 30 minutes of something that's additional to what you would typically be doing on a regular basis. Um, or if you prefer to kind of take those steps where it's uh, having that day in between and having higher intensities in between the days, that definitely works as well. But again, it all depends on your goals, what you're trying to accomplish, and in what time period. Mm-hmm. If you want something to happen in a short period of time, the intensity has to go up. Um, the, the frequency has to be there. If you're looking for something slower and more long-term, then you can have slower and more long-term programs geared towards that lifestyle change as well. And does it matter whether it's cardio or weightlifting? Well, you can get cardio-intensive workouts from weightlifting. So Mm -hmm. again, it just depends on what you're doing. Weight loss is significantly linked to your food that you're consuming. And how you want your body to look is what is geared towards the actual exercise that you're doing. So you cannot exercise away a bad diet. And that is why they go hand in hand. Um, But there is more of a consistency. You want to think 80-20 and not think, okay, I can now never have a donut or "I, I can't have chips or anything like that. No, you need to figure out One, what's your why? Why are you deciding to make a lifestyle shift? Obviously, for some individuals, it could be a health concern. Mm -hmm. For others, it's a wedding coming up, a special event. But when you figure out your why, then you can decide 
how um, quickly you want those things to actually happen and what effort are you are you willing to put in? Um, and yeah, what sacrifices are you willing to make? Okay, next game. I'm gonna I'm gonna read a couple of sentences and I want you to fill in the blanks. My go-to breakfast is three eggs, a um, quarter of an avocado, a tablespoon of salsa, and a um, large glass of water. I guess you could say. That sounds good. <laughs> a pre-post workout meal or snack is. Well, we gotta separate that. Pre or post? So, <laughs> let's do let's do a post. Okay. So post workout, um, it's usually whatever I meal prepped. Um, if I don't actually have the food with me, um, I will do a protein shake. Uh, I'll make sure that it will be, uh, a four to one ratio of carbs to protein. Uh, so perfect actual post recovery snack is actually chocolate milk. I have heard this before and I can't wrap my head around it. It's chocolate yeah. milk. Chocolate milk. Yeah. Wow. And a glass of it though. So like yeah. you're not guzzling the whole. No. So carton. it's not like a one liter, but uh, the larger carton. So I think those ones are 250 mil. Really? Absolutely. I make this blank for dinner every week. Oh, well, I don't make the same thing every week, but oh. right now pad thai has been a pretty good go-to for me. Yeah. Oh, that sounds so good. <laughs> My favorite snack is? Almonds. Same here. Mind you, 12 is a serving, and I always make sure I portion out a serving, otherwise I'd go to. Cashews. Cashews is a little bit less, so you just use your palm, mm-hmm. and the amount that would fit on the surface of your palm, if they were flat, would be a serving size. So my palm, my hands are small. I have, like, freakishly small hands. So if I use Frank's palm. Nope, it has to be your own palm. <laughs> I tried. It has to be your own palm. I tried. <laughs> and well, on the topic of food... You are the meal prep queen. (laughs) You have mastered this. For someone who, again, wants to try meal prepping or is doing it, but is feeling that, you know, I'm spending hours and hours doing this a week. And it's just, of course, no one's going to stick to that. Uh, So right now, um, I do enjoy a hot breakfast and I'm I'm making sure that it is, um, at the moment, I'm doing more of a, I guess you can call it a slow carb uh, geared diet. So it's high protein and, um, high fiber in the morning. Mm -hmm. And, uh, when I do my meal prep, it's mostly for kind of lunch and dinner. So even if I have an early start to my morning, I make sure that I'm getting up in enough time to make my eggs in the morning. But there are other times where I know my week's going to be a bit more hectic. So I'll make like little egg muffins or, um, I'll hard boil, uh, some eggs, and then to warm them up the next morning, I just put them in some hot water. And that's usually kind of my breakfast, pretty consistent, pretty the same almost every single day. Uh, in terms of my lunches and dinners, as well as my snacks in between, when I go to the grocery store, I shop for whatever it is that I'll be pre- preparing for the week. I usually pick two meals and whether or not it's going to be the same protein or not just depends on the week, what I'm feeling for, what what have I seen on Pinterest this week? Mm-hmm. What recipe do I want to try? Um, and I do um, two meals so that I can alternate between whether or not I'm having one for lunch that day and then the next day for breakfast. And I have no problem eating the same thing every day. Uh, but that's also because I know two days a week I will allow myself to buy a meal. Mm-hmm. So whether or not I'm buying a lunch or buying a dinner, 
And that's why、um, having kind of the same thing every day for other people sounds boring, but I just more so look at it as I'd rather that consistency. And then when I get the treat, the treat is wonderful、mm-hmm. instead of, oh, this again. Right.、Um, so, for instance, this week my meal prep was pad thai. So, I did a pad thai. So, just, you know, some rice noodles, some chicken thighs,、um, some bell peppers. I did a, a broccoli, carrot, and cabbage slaw. Do you see、uh, why I called her the meal prep queen? <laughs> and then、um, I've tried to make my own pad thai sauce, it was not very successful. So, I do trust the jar. <laughs> I just make sure that、um, it's a matter of portion. So, looking at something like a pad thai、uh, that you buy in the store, the first thing you really want to look on for a lot of sauces is how much sugar is in them. The reason that those sauces usually taste so good is there's either a lot of sodium、mm-hmm. or there's a lot of sugar. All of us know that if we were buying a store bought sauce, chances are you're using like half the jar. Um, because you, you, you want、um, that, that flavor.、Mm-hmm. So, for instances like that, when I find that the sugar is very high, I will dilute it down. And you can dilute it either with water or. I'll usually just use some water to dilute it down. Because I've done it with a stock. I've done it with like either a veg stock or a beef stock, whatever I'm using. If I'm using chicken in the meal,、mm-hmm. I'll dilute it down with a little bit of chicken stock. Yeah. Or water, whatever's handy. Exactly.、Um, and then the other meal that I went with was.、Um, A, like a Cajun sausage kind of jambalaya,、mm. I guess you could call it. But instead of rice or noodles,、uh, I used spaghetti squash. Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> oh, I need to try this、yeah. one. So it's just,、um, I just、uh, warmed up the spaghetti squash in the microwave for like three minutes so that I could actually cut into it, put a little olive oil on it, roasted it in the oven for an hour. And then while I'm cooking everything else,、um, I just did some bell peppers. I use garlic in almost everything that I cook. Yeah, I, I love garlic. I love garlic. Garlic has really great properties.、Um, and so, yep,、yeah, did some garlic, did some bell peppers,、uh, spaghetti squash. And、uh, I don't eat pork, so it was just like a beef sausage. The show is called Kitchen Confession. Is there anything that you can share in the kitchen? Any experiences? Anything that You know, that you could kind of look back now and laugh about it?、Um, so, I guess my confession is I have always feared poisoning myself, like giving myself food poisoning.、Mm-hmm. So, I'm getting a lot better now, but I used to overcook all my meat. Like, I mean, the chicken was so dry that it was like, <laughs> <laughs> is this a chip? Like, so dry. <laughs> Um, but now, you know, Google cures all. Like, how do you cook juicy chicken? Like, you can look it up. Like, it, it's really not that hard. But when I was first learning how to cook、um, away at university, like, it was fight or flight. Like, figure it out or you don't eat when you, you know, first out of the dorms. So I figured it out now. But I cannot say that when I was in university, I was making gourmet meals by any means. It was like, All right, it was edible. But did anyone tell you that it was okay? Yeah, absolutely. And that it Because、really... they also were struggling, you know, college students trying to eat. So if someone's <laughs> going to share something that's not ramen noodles with them, they're delight. Ooh, you made chicken parm? This is amazing, right? Like, they don't care that it's dry. They're totally okay with that. So, was it chicken parm? It was. I mean, it was chicken parm, but there was a lot of sauce to cover up the dryness. So, 
that that's my confession. It's it is not pretty, but um, I've learned from those. I've learned from those times. Oh, that is too funny. I've also learned what you know. You can't have pop every day or a giant glass of orange juice every day. But I thought that was so normal. I'm like, but it's orange. <laughs> I didn't know about sugar in high school. You know, the food guide wasn't something that that really made sense to me. I was just like, well, if it's in the house, I'm supposed to eat it. Yeah. I don't know what a portion size is. So I'm just going to eat everything. Eat you out of house and home when I was in high school. Good appetite. Good appetite. I used to drink almost two liters of orange juice every two day. Days. Oh yeah, almost no. a liter a day. That is true. Yeah, that chop. You know that chop can of drink. <laughs> I had a problem. But it's, it's like juice, high right? I'm a li- I I am addicted to orange juice, but I figured it out. <laughs> Just drink water. Like you're thirsty. That's what your body's telling you. Just drink water. It doesn't need to be Tropicana. Yeah, I, I do not drink juice anymore. Um, <laughs> not on a regular basis anyways. But yeah. Oh, this has been so much fun. Thank you. Thank you. I can talk to you forever. <laughs> and you know that because even after our training sessions, we're still yapping. Um, and some of the conversations we have just go way out. Like They're everywhere. Um, but if our listeners want to, you know, follow you along, reach out to you, get in touch with you. Um, are you on Instagram, Facebook, any all that good stuff? Yep. So on Instagram, you can find me at Flex by Bex. Um, also my personal Instagram, it's just uh, Bob Sled Bex, so B-E-X. And um, I'm on Facebook, Alicia Beckford Stewart. I should be the only one. As far as I know, I'm an original. (laughs) But uh, yeah, absolutely. If anyone's looking for any at-home training, for programs, for guidance, have any questions about bobsled. They can DM you. Hit me in the DM. (laughs) (laughs) We've reached the end of another show. Be sure to visit kitchenconfession.com for more recipes and foodie finds. I'd like to thank producer and editor Matt Agnew. I'm Mary Mamaliti. See you at the next episode.